Lord, this evening we come to your throne room of grace. Oh God. Yes, Lord, even as we sang, oh Lord, when you came, everything changed, oh Lord. That's what your word, that's what the word Advent means, oh Lord. That you have come. Oh Lord, we thank you that you came. And because you have come, things will never be the same again. In this world, in this universe, in this creation and and in each and every one of our lives, even among those who believe and those who do not believe. Father, your coming through your son has changed everything. And therefore this evening, O Lord, I pray that you would speak to our hearts. Pray especially for those who are not well in their bodies, that you would touch them and heal them. I pray, Father, for Pastor. Even as he's ministering, O Lord, far away, I pray, Lord Jesus, that you would be with him, O Lord. Anoint him. Use your servant. Let there be a mighty harvest of souls in that place. Pray, Father, that you would speak to our hearts here this evening to all of all of us, O Lord. There is only one teacher. That is your spirit. And therefore, Spirit of the living God, empower us, animate us, animate us in our speaking and in our hearing. Anoint us and open the eyes of our heart that we may be able to see the wondrous things out of your law. Grant us revelation and grant us faith and grant us obedience, the gift of repentance, we pray. We thank you, we praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. Christmas is a time of... uh, sharing a lot of gifts and when I was in, especially in the US and in the, in the West, it's it's a huge tradition. Uh, uh, they hang the gifts on the tree and uh, I was there with my my aunt when I was in Toronto and uh, I visited them for Christmas and my uncle, he uh, put all the gifts under the tree and I was also supposed to be one of the kids and and I had to go and find my gift. And, uh, and they spent quite a bit of a, of a fortune in just buying gifts in the West. Um, according to the least, recent statistics in Australia, which is a very small country, about, about 19 to 20 million people, they've spent about 11 billion dollars on buying gifts. Okay, it's huge. Okay, and so that's the tradition and, and they give and buy and share and, uh, that's, that's what Christmas brings in the West and they start shopping as early as September, by the way. Uh, it's like 32, uh, what, 24 weeks away from Christmas, something like that. I mean, it's, they just count down the number of weeks to the, to holidays. So it's huge. And in the midst of clamor of all the merchandise that Christmas actually brings about, even in our own country, the Ambani's have decorated one of the biggest Christmas trees here, right there next to Shopper Stop. Uh, it's just opposite to the Reliance Mart, by the way. So this merchandise, gifts and candles and lights and what have you. And in the midst of all that, I mean, you open your gift during Christmas and by the time it's two or three weeks and sometimes days or even hours, (laughs) you lose interest in the gift. Yeah. But there is one gift which is eternal. And I hope we unwrap him every day of our lives. So let's unwrap the Christmas gift today. I titled my message uh, 
Oh, sorry. Yeah. Unwrapping the Christmas gift. Okay. Unwrapping the Christmas gift. And what are the blessings that we accrue when we unwrap this gift? It's wrapped in flesh. I mean, I like the songwriters. I mean, the hymns who wailed in flesh. <laughs> wrapped in flesh. Wailed in flesh. The Godhead see. Hail the incarnate deity. Pleased as man with men to dwell. Jesus our Emmanuel. Hark the herald angels sing. Glory to the newborn king. Yeah, so let's unwrap him today. And one of the passages that we, I want to look at is possibly one of the more very famous passages. Uh, and not in the Old Test, in the New Testament, but uh, in the Old Testament. And you know the prophet Isaiah spoke exhaustively about the coming Messiah. And he was writing under inspiration and he had no idea what was coming. It says, um, in First Peter chapter 1, it says, the prophets of old, when they were prophesying, the spirit of Christ was in them and he, he was prophesying about the suffering Messiah. And they had no idea. But it was revealed to them that they were not writing for themselves, but they were writing for us. Mysterious things. Mysterious. Even the angels desire to look into those mysteries. Okay, so it's wrapped in this person of Jesus Christ, this, this unfolding of this gift we need to do and we need to understand what, what does, what is that gift that we have to unfold. And let's read that passage from Isaiah chapter 9. It's found in Isaiah chapter 9 verses uh, 6 and 7. For unto us a child is born. Okay. You know, when, when you say unto us in a family, it is only for the father and mother. Nobody says, <laughs> the village come, did not come and say, unto us. As, no, 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 nobody says that. A family will say. But this is interesting. Unto us a child is born. And unto us a son is given. A gift. Okay. Child, he's only a gift. He's given to all of us. And we have to rejoice, rejoice in that. Okay. And the government will, shall be upon his shoulder. And his name shall be called... Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. And of the increase of his government and of peace, there will be no end. This is the gift that was sent to us during Christmas. What was that? His name is Wonderful. Peter taught us that song sometime back. His name is Wonderful. His name is Counselor. You know, uh, some new translations will put the counselor and the wonderful together uh, and they say wonderful counselor. It's not wonderful counselor, it is wonderful. No. He's truly wonderful. No. But it's unlike men. Sometimes we have uh, the name mercy. But far from showing mercy. Grace. <laughs> Certainly not gracious. <laughs> I remember <laughs> Rishi is here. But Rishi was a small boy. He was extremely mischievous when he was a kid. Extremely, extremely mischievous. And I took him to my, uh, to my friend's house during, uh, one of the festivals. They invited us over to his place for dinner or lunch, if I'm right. And he completely messed up their place and they asked me, what is the name of your brother? I said, Rishi? Rishi? This is not Rishi. <laughs> <laughs> so, so this is, so we, 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 we all 
are given names and we don't live up to the expectations of those names, right? Okay. But there is a name that is given to the son who is given to us. And that very name is a gift to us. And his name is wonderful. His name is Counselor. His name is Mighty God. Everlasting Father. Prince of Peace. How many? Five. Five is the number of grace. Law came through Moses. But grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. The word became flesh and dwelt among us and we beheld his glory. The glory of the only begotten son of God full of grace and truth. So let's unwrap this gift one at a time. Okay, His name is Wonderful. Let's look at what wonderful means. To understand the word wonderful, we need to look at uh, the root word which is pele in the, in the Hebrew. Pele, uh, what does it mean? To see, so we'll have to understand the meaning in context. So we'll see where, where, uh, where else it appears in scripture. It appears in a very interesting place in Judges chapter 13, verses 17 and 18. Then Manoha said to the angel of the Lord, and this by the way, the angel of the Lord in caps implies the Old Testament theophany of Jesus Christ. Okay. The angel of the Lord. What is your name? Mano asked. That when your words come to pass, we may honor you. And you know what this angel of the Lord answers? And the angel of the Lord said to him, Why do you ask my name? Seeing that it is wonderful. Wow, what does he mean? What does it mean? What is therefore the word wonderful mean? Some of the translations will render the word wonderful as Seeing that it is a secret. It's a mystery. It can't be understood. It's incomprehensible. It's something which you cannot define precisely. Who can define God? If you can, if you can define God, you're not worshipping God. That's the idea. Okay? That's what Pele. Wonderful. Incomprehensible. You cannot understand. Let me tell you something. You can't understand God. Unless he makes himself known to us. Okay. Blessed art thou, Simon Barjona, flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father which is in heaven. No one can know the Son except the Father gives him the ability to understand. And most of the times, if you are extremely intellectual, you will never understand. That's the reason why he says, Father, I rejoice that you have Hidden this from the wise and the prudent, but revealed it to the babes. Reveal the word reveal. It's a mystery which has been unpacked, unfolded, apocalyptos. That's the word. To see it's hidden. Unless he reveals it, we cannot. And there's one thing that you you need to understand. You cannot define God. Just because he has come in the flesh, that's what happens, no? You know, when, when somebody comes in the flesh, we look at him and we say, oh, this is God. I mean, oh, we can touch him, we can handle him, we can we can play with him and we can beat him and we can do all things to him. That still does not mean that you're going to you understand him. No. You cannot define him. It's incomprehensible. Look at a very interesting passage in Exodus chapter 3. Verses 13 and 14. Then Moses said to God, Indeed, when I come to the children of Israel and said to the, and say to them, the God of your fathers has sent me to you and they say to me, say to me, what is his name? What shall I say to them? 
And God said to the Moses, I am who I am. And he said, thus you shall say to the children of Israel, I am sent me to you. Can you imagine? You cannot have a syntax to define this tense. It's impossible. You have to find a new language. And even Hebrew is insufficient. What does it therefore mean? It means when Jesus came, he's wonderful means that he's absolutely God. Completely. In his complete essence. Look at what it says in Hebrews chapter um, um, three, 1 verse, verse 3. Who being the brightness of the Father's glory, the exact image of God is Jesus. And God, who's God? Infinite. Colossians chapter 2 verse 9. For in him dwells all the fullness of the Godhead bodily. Amazing mystery. Revelation chapter 1 verse 8. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end, says the Lord. Who is, who was, and who is to come. I am from everlasting to everlasting. I am God. You cannot understand me completely. And therefore when... The child is born and the son is given. They look at the son and they look at the child and they say, how can God become man? Can we name him? You can, you can only give him one name. His name is called, will be called Jesus. But he's actually more than that. He's wonderful. You cannot name him. I am the resurrection and the life. I am the way, the truth and the life. I am the bread that, that has come from heaven. See, I am, I am, I am. Jesus is, 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 and, 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 and suddenly Abraham rejoiced to see my day. You're not even 50 years old. You have, you say that you know my, know our father Abraham before Abraham was, I am. <laughs> and what did they want to do? <laughs> Stone him with stones because they understood that Jesus was identifying himself with the guy who was at the burning bush. incomprehensible God becomes man. You know, that should actually, we have to meditate on that sometimes. No, This is, this is incredible. How can an infinite God become finite? It's, it's a mystery. Absolute mystery. Oh, glorious mystery. The satisfy, the sacrifice at Calvary. Now I know that thou art the great I am. We know that song, the Mary, did you know? Okay. The child that you're holding is the great I am. Isn't, isn't it amazing? So, when God comes like that, it's remarkable. So, you see, we become so familiar with, 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 uh, the passages in scripture. Sometimes we, we really lose our sense of wonder. You know, who has the sense of wonder most of the time? It's children who have the sense of wonder. Okay? The rest of the people are blaze, B-L-A-S-E. What does blaze means? Nothing moves them anymore. They've already seen it. You, you, you should look at, look at when you tell stories to children. Very simple story. And you know what happened? Jesus was passing by the way. What is going to happen now? I, I'm telling you, I see that in children, right? When I'm teaching them, uh, Pilgrim's Progress, for example. And you know what happened? S- S- Christian put on his armor and he was going on that narrow path and he heard the sound. What happened? Abigail will hold on to her sister like that. You see? You see, most of us have lost our sense of wonder. 
When I was a child, I know when I was a child, how I used to look ahead for Christmas. Oh boy. And when I grew up, ha. Same old, same old, same old. This is exactly what happens during carol rounds. Thak the herald angel sing. A man who's with wonder and praise and worship and with a large heart is actually writing those words and those lyrics. You know what we sing that without wonder? You know what we need to ask God to give us back that sense of wonder? That is the reason why, you know, we are all, we become absolutely, what do you call, filled with so many things in this world that we have lost the sense of wonder. We look at simple things and it don't, they don't strike us anymore that God became man. Ah, that's okay. When did we actually think about it and we said, infinite God become finite, infinite God. Oh, I, 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 it's, it's crazy. I, I, I can't, I can't understand it. Wonder! It's wonderful. His name is wonderful. I'll tell you something. Entertainment has spoiled our sense of wonder. You know what we are? We like, every time we come to church, we like Golconda Fort. What is Golconda Fort? Lights and sound. Lights and sound. Lights and sound. And what has happened over a period of time? We need more and more of light and sound and more and more extreme levels of entertainment to keep us occupied. Because we have lost in this generation the sense of wonder. It's amazing, no? Last time we were, uh, last night we were actually uh, discussing during our Romans Bible study. Uh, Faith cometh by hearing, I mean the hearing by the word of God. And and then I said, and one of the sisters was saying, you know what, faith comes by hearing. I like to hear a lot, but I struggle with reading. What comes by reading? You know what comes by reading? Revelation. comes. That's the reason why Paul will say, when you read my letter, you will have a revelation of my mystery in Jesus Christ. Ephesians chapter 3 verse 2. And most of us, we can't read because we are trapped by entertainment. We have lost our sense of wonder. When we look at a book, it doesn't excite us anymore. You know how many times the word read is mentioned in the in the New Testament? It's mentioned 33 times and 30 times Jesus uses it. Apostle Paul uses it thrice. Have you, have you, have you not read? Have you not read your scriptures? You do not understand the scriptures because you do not read it properly. You don't have revelation. You don't have a sense of wonder. Think about it. When the last time when you read your Bible, you were like dumbstruck by wonder. This is crazy, man. Have you ever found that? And you would just pace back and forth. Happened to me several times. I wish it happens to you as well. His name is wonderful, saints. His name is wonderful. Psalm 9 verse 10. And those who know your name (laughs) will put their trust in you. For you, Lord, have not forsaken those who seek you. You know what happens when you know him this way, intimately seeking him more and more and more. You lose all sense of insecurity. Do you know that? You look at scripture and I say, really? Jesus did this for me and most of us, we are so insecure, we are so fearful, we are so covetous, we are so, you know, tight-fisted in our giving because we do not see God who is wonderful. 
Let me prove that to you from scripture. In Hebrews chapter 13 verse 5. Keep your lives free from the love of money. And be content with what you have. Because God has said, never will I leave you. Never will I forsake you. Have you sought him that way? If when he said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. Have you sought him? And you know what Paul will say? Paul will say, I hold on to him who has held on to me. I'm going to seek him. And most of us, we have so fearful about the future. There is no sense of, sense of what do you call, uh, uh, no, 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 forget that word. Assurance, that's the word. There's no assurance. There's no sense of assurance about the future. Why? Because we do not know God is wonderful. We do not know his name. We don't put, his, put our trust in him. In my name you shall cast out demons. In my name you shall baptize him in the name of the Father and the Son of the Holy Spirit. If you eat anything that is poisonous that will not harm you because there is assurance. In my name you will cast out demons because there is assurance in that name and in that name alone. And he has given you that name. Okay. Romans chapter 8 verse 32. He who did not spare his own son but delivered him up for us all. How shall he not with him freely give us all things? Do you believe that? If you really believe that, are you fearful? Think about that. That's the first word. Wonderful. And I pray and ask God for all of us, Lord, bring us back that sense of wonder. You know, one of the things that I pray for my children, you know, they're, they're, they're literally born in Zion. Okay. They're born in a church where from the time that they're kids, they've heard only the pure word of God. They don't know what is to listen to a boring message. No. No, 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 no. Okay. Because I came from mainland denominations, all the church, there'll be liturgy and there'll be a lot of singing and singing. And then you, the preacher preaches, you don't even understand half what he says. And some people come during, during benediction. And you know what? Over a period of time, it's quite possible that we might be listening to the word which is so unadulterated and lose our sense of wonder. Become too familiar. And I pray that for Abigail and Emmanuel. Lord, let them never lose that sense of wonder. Let them not become too familiar with you. And they are in danger because literally they are born in Zion. They are not like Neo. <laughs> who had to be rescued from the system. They were born in Zion. Okay. You see that? You need to understand. Some people understood what I said. Some people didn't understand. That's okay. No problem. <laughs> see? So, ask God this, this, this season, Lord, bring that sense of wonder back. When I come to church, oh God, expectancy, oh Lord. I want to hear from you. I want to be always excited about your word. I want to come to your word with a sense of one. I want to listen to you. And that time, even if it is a repeated word, it has to be fresh in my heart. It will make more sense. I'll understand that word in a completely new dimension. That happens most of the time with all of us, right? You have looked at the same passage over and over again. And one day God reveals something hidden. Ask God for the sense of wonder. His name is Wonderful. Let's unpack the second one. His counselor. 
And there are two aspects for counselor. First aspect. First, he is the advocate. The word is parakletos in Greek. Para. Para means to come next to, kletos to, comfort, come, fort, come and fortify. Come alongside. So he's literally the one who come alongside you and he goes and takes you to court, in other words. And who's the judge? The father. <laughs> the father is the judge. So he's the advocate, he's the counselor, he's the counsel for the defense, in other words. Amazing. And who's a prosecution lawyer? Ah, uh, Satan is there. You remember? I remember that time, the first time when I was in, I'm telling you, it's scary to be under law. I, I was, I was, we had an incredible experience when, uh, you know, uh, it says, um, um, until the law, sin was in the world, etc. Okay? And then the law came, and sin abounded. Remember? The law came, sin abounded. Until the law, we, we, when there was no law, there's, there's no sin imputed. But when the law came, sin abounds. I'll remember, remember when I was in uh, North America, I was traveling from New York to Canada. During winter, it's beautiful snow. And, uh, not beautiful snow, it's crazy snow. <laughs> okay. So we were, uh, we, we had to reach uh, Montreal by, we wanted to reach Montreal by, by let's say, three or two in the morning so that we can get some, catch some rest and go back to university the next day. So my friend, three of us in the car, from New York to Montreal, it was weekend, traffic was heavy, even on I-95, right? It's I-95, right? Going up through to Albany, too much of traffic, ripping, literally, because the uh, speed limit was about uh, 60 or 65, I don't remember. And we we were going at 70, 75, etc. Or 80 sometimes. You know, we're just uh, going past lanes, going past lanes like that. You know, and we had to reach on time, and I'm like, I was telling my friend Vasu, Vasu, Watch the speed limit. Watch the speed limit. Okay, you know, it was chuck, 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 chuck. and you know these guys who uh, who have the speed guns. They they are at a very inconspicuous place in this place in the in the highway. You don't even see them because if you see them, you'll slow down automatically, right? So you you you'll not see them. Okay, and we just passed this guy, uh, the highway patrol, and within two seconds, bonk, 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 right behind us, and three daisies. Are <laughs> And there's one of the guys, we realized that we were speeding. Okay. And, and one of the guys, his name is Janardhan Vedantam, and this fellow is Vasudevan Janardhan. I don't forget, forget those names. Okay. Both from Tamil Nadu. So, he's going to do this, he's going to do this. And this fellow is saying, please shut up, you shut up, etc., etc., etc. And then what happened? We asked him, he asked us to pull on, pull on the shoulder. We pulled our car onto the shoulder, and then he was about a few meters away, and he, from the speaker, he says, don't get out of the car. We're all shaking, okay? Shaking. And then, and then, and then he comes with the speed meter. And he comes to us. And he knocks the door, knocks at the window. He pulls it down. And he says, you know why I stopped you? <laughs> Sir. I'll tell you all the days. I mean, we, we have this very interesting thing, right? We always downplay our sin. Okay. And the law will, yeah, you're breaking the law, but not by that much. The speed limit is 65, you're going at 70. Okay. So you were speed, yes sir, we were speeding. You know how you, how fast you were going? Uh, 70, sir. 70. And it was the first time for all of us, we were shivering. I don't think, I don't know if uh, Sister Elsa and all will have the same kind of experience with the cop, but we were like scared with the law. 
you were going at 80. And he showed us a speedometer reading. I mean, speed word, speed gun reading. And sorry, sir, sorry, sir, sorry, sir. And we all got our, sorry, sir, last time, sir. No, last time, nothing. He took out the chart sheet. Okay, and he wrote something. And he gave the chart sheet to my friend. And he opened it and he started reading it. I'll tell you something, no? When the law comes, sin increases. I'll tell you how it increased. I'll tell you, the prosecution, the state of New York versus Vasudevan. (laughs) And he looked at me and said, Vijay, I was speeding, man. I sinned against the whole state. So two options, either you plead guilty and pay the fine or you come with a attorney. Can you imagine a small speeding ticket can give you a shivers? And then you have Satan with all your kalachitta takes you to court to God. And let me tell you something. The accuser, the prosecution cannot lie to God because God knows everything. But who comes along with us? The counselor. So what does he do? He pleads with God. <laughs> That's interesting. Luke's gospel, 1 John chapter 1 verse 1 and 2. My little children, these things I write to you so that you may not sin. And if anyone sins, we have a paracletos, a counselor with the father. Jesus Christ, the righteous. And he himself is the propitiation for our sins and not for ours only, but the sins of the whole world. So think about it. No, If you think that in your lifetime you committed one million sins. Okay, qualitative analysis. Okay, Think about six billion people with all their one million sins on an average. And think about the entire generation of humanity with all their sins. Those people who believe in Jesus, you have this man who comes alongside you and says, Lord, I'm the propitiation. I'll pay. I'll pay. Romans chapter 8. What shall we say then? (laughs) Of, Of these things, if what? God is for us. Who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son but gave him up for us all. How will he not with him freely give us all things who can bring any charge against God's elect? It is God who justifies. Who can condemn us? It is Christ who died. And furthermore, it is also, he is risen also, who is even at the right hand of God, who also forever, in other translations, in other, another passage in, the, in, the, in Hebrews, it says, he's also making intercession and pleading and pleading and pleading. Why? How? How is he pleading? First Timothy chapter 2 verse 5 and 6. For there is one God, one mediator between God and man, the mind Christ Jesus, who himself, who gave himself as a ransom for all to be testified in due time. How does, what happens? Hebrews chapter 12 verse 24. To Jesus, the mediator of the new covenant and to the blood of sprinkling that speaks better things than the blood of Abel. You know what it says? Father, mercy, Father. Like, like we heard, mercy, mercy. Let them go, Father. I'll pay them. I'll pay their penalty. I'll pay their penalty. Mercy. Let, let, let go of them. That's the counselor who is alongside of us. 
You know something which I, I look at, you know, many, many people in Christendom, first of all, they have so much of unconfessing. Okay? This last month of the year, let us not enter into another year with unconfessing in our lives. Let us not. So much of condemnation within Christians, and that is the reason why when they come to church, they cannot worship God, because there is a sense of condemnation all the time. All the time. All the time. Hmm. John Piper, in his commentary to the Romans, he makes a fantastic statement about this man who is having the penalty of, who is the sense of sin in his life. Look at what he says. <clears throat> you ask a person in this slavery to sin, uh, this guy who's, you know, who's absolutely accustomed to sinning and he's not able to give it up, and you'll tell him, you know, give it up, give it up, you know, this is what he says. Don't you realize that the promise of sin is a lie? And that you are on a dead end street of destruction? And amazingly, they may agree with you and perhaps say something like this. I know, but it doesn't make any difference. There is no hope for me anyway. And he goes on to say, here is a person not only in bondage to the lure of sin. That's we heard when the tempter comes, I mean, when, the, when, when Jesus comes, the tempter's power is broken. Here is a person not only in bondage to the lure of, lure of sin, but even more terribly to the despairing blindness of the guilt of sin. There's so much of guilt. And he's like, forget it now. I, I, I've drunk so much. I've ad- gotten myself addicted so much. There's no hope now. I've sinned so much. My guilt is so much. I cannot even forgive myself. Forget about God. There's no hope. There's no hope. There's no hope. Do you find this language somewhere in the Old Testament? You'll find it. I'll show you. In Jeremiah chapter 2. Okay. Jeremiah chapter 2 verses 25 and 24. In that order. Okay. Jeremiah chapter 2 verse 25 and 24. Not 24 and 25. 25 and 24. Withhold your foot from being unsure and your throat from thirst. Okay. But you said, there is no hope. No, for I have loved aliens and strangers and after them I will go. How are you? You are like a wild donkey used to the wilderness that sniffs at the wind in a desire, in a time of mating, who can turn her away. All those who seek her will not bury themselves. In her month, they will find her. In other words, you know what? You don't have to go searching for the bottle. The bottle will come searching for you. You know, you don't have to turn go, uh, searching for a fix. A fix will come searching for you. You are so much under the bondage of sin. And you say, you know what? I'm so guilty. Forget about it now. Forget! There's no hope. There's no hope. I know there's one guy like that, according to my imagination in the New Testament. A guy who's paralyzed on his bed. Four of his friends come to him. And they say, you know what? There's this guy, there's this man, Rabbi Jesus. Go to him, he'll heal you. And he tells his friends, no hope for me, brother. No hope, no hope, no hope. I'm too far gone from God. I cannot come. No, no, nobody can forgive me. Nobody can forgive me. And those friends, they say, shut up, you don't know Jesus. You know what they do? He says, I'm, I'm not coming. I'm not you. Uh, let's, let's carry you. No, 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 I'm not coming. I'm holding on to my bed. And you know what I said? This is not going to happen now. Let's just pick up the bed now. The four friends pick up the bed. And they come to a house where Jesus is preaching the word and there is a crowd. The Pharisees and the scribes right there in front, they're taking notes. 
Okay, scribes always take notes. I mean, don't that not that you should not take notes. <laughs> okay, so they're all they're all taking notes and they're just looking at them and looking looking at them and, and and it says the scripture says, you know, Jesus was teaching many scribes and scribes scribes were there and the power of God was there to heal. And this guy comes, four friends, hey crowd, what do we do? Hey, take me back home, take me back. Nobody can send me. I told you right. God is arranging all this so that I will not meet him. And then you know what the, what the four friends say? Shut up. We'll do something. They'll go to the roof. They'll break open the roof. And they'll put that thing down. And Jesus looks at him and he understands what his problem is. Why is he paralyzed? He looks at him. Man. Your sins are forgiven. No hope. No, 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 no. Sins are forgiven. Sins are forgiven. Oh. Why the gift of forgiveness of sin? Don't you want that? Don't you want that? Some of you, I don't know. Maybe people who will hear this message, they're so far gone and in the depths of addiction and pornography and in masturbation, in, in, in drugs and in alcohol. I don't know what is your addiction. You're saying, you know what? No hope for me, brother. No hope for me, brother. I don't have to search for a website. The website comes searching for me. Through WhatsApp and the iMessage or whatever you. See, no hope. Look at what he says. Jesus, fantastic. Then behold, men brought a man a, uh, on a bed a man who was paralyzed with sin. Let me add. It's my my interpretation of this passage. I feel this is what is true because Jesus never he never says these words unless you know there's something wrong with this guy because of a sin paralyzed. And when they could not find how they might bring him in, because of the crowd, they went up on the housetop, let him down with his bed, through the the tiling into the midst before Jesus. When he saw their faith, he said to him, man, your sins are forgiven. And then you know what? All the scribes were taking notes. They stopped. Sins forgiven. Let us just calculate for them. Lord Moses, who can forgive sins, Baba? Only God, no? Only God can forgive sins. Look at this. This is a man. And they, they missed the point. You know, it's elementary, right? Watson can't see the obvious most of the time. And the scribes and the Pharisees began to reason, saying, Who is this who speaks blasphemies? Who can forgive sins but God alone? But that you may know that the Son of Man has power on earth to forgive sins. He said to the man who was paralyzed, I say to you, arise, take up your bed and go to your house. I don't know if you know somebody in your family who's like this. Maybe in your prayers, this, 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 Advent season, you bring him to the presence of God and God will possibly see your faith. Your faith. And heal your loved one. Who's paralyzed. Some people are paralyzed with their own self-righteousness, don't you know? I don't need a savior. I'm good. You know something? The biggest problem with God is that he's good. And if he's really good, he has to be absolutely righteous. 
and if he is absolutely righteous, <laughs> woe to you on that day if you are not in the sun. Who can forgive sins except God? Answer, you are right. I am what? God. So what is the next thing that Isaiah says about Jesus? Mighty God. Mighty God. Wonderful. Counselor. He's just not ordinary God. Mighty God. The infinite God. Only God can pay God. Right? No other real person can pay. Anybody else can pay here? Ambani cannot pay, for sure. He can put up a good big Christmas tree all the way to heaven, but he's not going to pay. No. Who can pay? God can pay God. Right? So who is Christ? God. Did you understand that? How did you miss that point? Look at what it says in Romans chapter 9 verses 4 and 5. Who are Israelites to whom pertain the adoption, the glory, the covenants, the giving of the law, the service of God and the promises of whom are the fathers and from whom according to the flesh Christ came who is over all the eternal blessed what? God. You believe that? Do you believe that? Mighty God. Mighty to save. There is no sin that he cannot atone for. He is the propitiation for our sins, meaning he sucks up the wrath of God into himself. And he pays. How much is in his bank balance? Infinity. Only infinity can cancel out infinity on both sides. It's a mathematical anomaly, okay? You cannot say x, x on the left hand side and right hand side. You can't cancel out both if x is infinity, right? It's undefined. God, it's possible. Two parallel lines meet at? Ah, they meet in God. They meet there. They're reconciled there. In mighty God. Who is this God? It is God who becomes sin for us. Wow. So that Second Corinthians chapter 5 verse 21. For he made him who knew no sin, to be sin for us, that we might become the righteousness of God in him. It is God who becomes curse for us. Galatians chapter 3 verses 13 and 14, Christ has redeemed us from the law. Let us replace Christ with what? Who? Christ is, according to Romans chapter 9 verse 5, Christ is God. So let us read that. God has redeemed us from the curse of the law, having become a curse for us. Oh, you just replace Christ with God. For it is written, Cursed is everyone who hangs on the tree and the, so that the blessing of Abraham might come upon the Gentiles in Christ Jesus that we might receive the promise of the Holy Spirit through him. Aha! Look at this. Mighty God. God becomes poor. Look at what it says in 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 9. For you know that the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ that though he was rich, yet for your sakes he became poor that you through his poverty might be rich. I like the words of the hymn. Joy to the world. The Lord has come. Let earth receive our king. Let every heart prepare him room. And heaven and nature sin. And heaven and nature sing. He rules. Just before he rules the world. Look at this. No more let sin. 
and sorrows grow, nor thorns infest the ground. The thorns is a sign of the curse. He comes to make his blessings flow far as the curse is found. Oh my goodness. As far as, I mean, how far can you go from God? Not infinitely far. There is, his hand is not shortened that he cannot reach you. He is mighty God, mighty to save. But how does he, how does he make this exchange possible? Right? I mean, how can this be made possible? Unless something happens. Unless. Isaiah chapter 54, verse 4 and 5. Do not fear, for you will not be ashamed. Neither be disgraced, for you will not be put to shame. For you will forget the shame of your youth and you will not remember the reproach of your widowhood anymore. Why? For your maker is your husband. The Lord of hosts is his name and your redeemer is the holy one of Israel. He is called the God of the whole earth. Who has become your husband now? God has become your husband. Think about it, no? Like I, Pastor James, you know, when, I, when, I, when he heard when I heard him the first time during a wedding message, he said, until you sign the marriage register, okay, the husband might be a millionaire and the girl might be a pauper. But the moment he signs the marriage register and she signs the marriage register, they become husband and wife. The poverty of the girl becomes his poverty. The sin that is on the wife becomes his sin. Federally, legally. The curse that was on the wife becomes his curse because he identifies with her and he covers her. That's exactly what happened to Adam. When Adam saw Eve, he didn't sin. He didn't get deceived. She got deceived. And what happened? The glory of the Lord left him, left her. And she came to him and he looked at her and she said, and he said, you know what? I'm going, to, I'm going to do something. I'm going to wrap myself around her and I'm going to identify myself with her fall. Whatever hers becomes mine and whatever is mine becomes yours. That's exactly what happened, right? If he's a millionaire, what will, what will happen to the wife once she is married to him? She becomes a millionaire. Mighty God. Everlasting Father. That's not the next, that's the first thing. Let's come back to counselor now. Counselor, two ways of counselor. The first way of counselor is that he's an advocate. The second way of counselor. See, he doesn't just leave us alone by paying the penalty for us. And he has to also give us the power to overcome sin. So what does he do? He counsels us by living his life through us by the spirit who is the counselor. Okay, that's the next paracletos. John's gospel chapter 14. And I will pray the father and he will give you another helper. Again, this word helper is the word, same word, parakletos or advocate. That he may abide with you forever. The spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him. But you know him for he dwells with you and will be in you. I will not leave you as orphans. I will come. I will send a spirit and I will come. Mm -hmm. Okay. 14.26 But the helper, the Holy Spirit whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all things that I said to you. He's going to help you, teach you. He's going to give you counsel. John's Gospel chapter 16, how does he give you counsel? John's Gospel chapter 16 verse 8, when he has come, he will convict you of sin. That is where the problem comes. 
I'll tell you something, no? Think about it, no? Well, I think it's, uh, uh, Tim Keller wrote his book, uh, called Hidden Message of Christmas, which is a very, very nice book. I'm just reading through that. In that, he gives a very interesting example. He says, let us imagine that you got a, you received a anonymous gift from, on Christmas Day to your home. Huge gift. Okay. Nicely wrapped. Okay. Anonymous gift. Okay. And then you start unpacking it. Hey, what is this? Interesting. Unpack it. And then you find three books. The first book, How to Tame Your Tongue in 30 Days. Second book, How to Deceive, Not Get Deceived. Third book, How to Lose Fat in 40 Days. You opened it. Apparently, and you know, I know who sent this gift to me. (laughs) People are laughing. Think about it. What has come to you is counsel. Wrapped in a packet. You don't understand that is a gift. You don't understand. What should happen to you, therefore, is that you should humble yourself and say, yes, I have a problem with my tongue. Oh, I slander a lot. If I don't slander a lot, I speak a lot. To give some rest to my tongue is a big problem. This keeps going, going on and on and on. It's like a heart. Heart has to function. Poor fellow. I mean, sometimes the heart says, give me a break, Baba. Who is in competition here? You see that? You know, know, sometimes you really, really have to humble yourself to accept gifts. You know that? And in Christianity, everything is a gift. Yes, we like the one who is coming alongside us and say, R.A. is going to fight my cause, but we don't like the other gift of conviction. Oh, that's the problem. But then when the counselor comes, <laughs> he's gonna convict you. Convict you. Convict you. And that is the reason why Proverbs chapter 11 verse 14 will say, there is no counsel, people fall. But in the multitude of counselors, ah, I love that word. There is safety. Another, another proverb, 1220, deceit is in the heart of those who devise evil. But counselors of peace have joy. Another another proverb. By pride comes nothing but strife. But with the well-counseled is wisdom. So you know what? You have two options when somebody is giving you a gift. You know, some if you have a huge debt and somebody pays off your debt, sometimes you'll say, who's this fellow who's paying my debt? I mean, it's really humbling to take from somebody. You have to acknowledge that you goofed up in your finances. Okay. <laughs> And you got yourself into trouble and you are not able to untangle yourself when somebody is coming and paying out it. I'll be obligated to this fellow for the rest of my life. That's a human heart. Oh, he's going to become the benefactor now. You see, accepting gifts you really need this kind of gifts you really really have to humble yourself and let me tell you something that is the reason why jesus comes when he comes you know you know when you in a in a relationship there comes a point where there are no negotiations after a while 
Okay. I, I mean, it, you, it happens in a husband and a wife. I mean, 10 years now. Justin knows this fellow's not going to change in some areas. I have to, I have to, I have to change. Okay. And, and, and if we just take the same relationship, relationship with God and say, Lord, come on. I have to change all the time. You know what God will say? I came down. I was infinite. I became finite. I lived among you. I became poor. I became a curse. I became sin. I was tempted in every area. I was condemned. Your sin was condemned in my flesh. Oh, and you're saying that I have to negotiate now? Who has to negotiate? Ah, please. Hmm. Pride. To take counsel, you need to really, really humble yourself, brothers and sisters. Otherwise, the counsel is just going to be head knowledge. It's not going to change you. It'll be like a truism. Oh, it's good. Nice. Very well said. High five. Not No change. 1522, without counsel, plans go awry, but in the multitude of counselors, they are established. Young ones, sitting here, Take it to heart. 24, 6, for by wise counsel you'll wage your own war and in a multitude of counselors there is safety. Oh, that's what the church gives you. Multitude of counselors. At least two here in our church in the preaching ministry and several other sisters who will send you gifts anonymously and brothers as well. Will you have the humility to accept it? Take counsel. That's a gift to unwrap this Christmas. Okay. Let's come to the next aspect. Everlasting Father. Oh. No, let me tell you something. When this is being said, he's not telling that father and son are the same. No. Father is not the son. Son is not the father. It's very distinct. Yeah. Father gives the son the dominion. They are distinct persons of the, of the Godhead. Okay. So, but, but Jesus says some interesting statements. Look, look at what, what it says in John's Gospel chapter 10 verse 27. My sheep listen to my voice. I know them and they follow me. I give them eternal life and they shall never perish. No one will snatch them out of my hand. My father who has given me to them to me. Okay. So, Distinction there. You see that? My father who has given them to me is greater than all. No one can snatch them out of my father's hand. And then he says, I and the father are one. Okay. Let's try to understand this. This is possibly one of the most intriguing aspects of the gift to be unwrapped. Very mysterious. And I, I had to take the help of Charles Spurgeon. And this is a remarkable man of God. I'm going to try to, try to unravel this to you uh, in the next few minutes. In John's Gospel chapter uh, 14 verse 8, Philip said, Lord, show us the Father and that will be enough for us. Jesus answered and said, don't you know me, Philip? Even after I've been among you such a long time, anyone who has, me, who has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say show us the Father? Don't you believe that I am the Father and that the Father is in me? Oh yes, there is, there is, in this sense, he's saying, you know, there is a unity between the Father and me, that we are unanimous in every decision, whatever the Father says, I do, and in that sense, we are one. But there is also in a distinct way that Jesus is also called the Everlasting Father. How is he called the Everlasting Father? 
some of the passages, okay, sorry. Uh, in John, John chapter 1 verse 13, I am writing to you fathers because you know him who was from the beginning. This is Jesus, of course. This is chapter 2, not chapter 1, chapter 2. So how is, in what sense, he is our father? We are all sons of Adam. Yes? So, in our old birth, who is our father? Adam is our father. Okay. But, once Jesus came, we are no longer in Adam, but we are in the last Adam. Wow. What does it mean? He is the progenitor of a new race of human beings. Oh, this is Spurgeon. It's beautiful. I was stunned when he said this. Romans chapter 5. Consequently, just as one trespass, this is Romans chapter 5 verse 18 onwards. Consequently, just as one trespass resulted in condemnation for all people, so also one righteous act resulted in justification and life. Look at that. Justification and life for all people. For just as through the disobedience of one man, many were made sinners, so also that through the obedience of the one man, many will be made righteous. What does the father do? He gives source. He is a life giver. Right? Look at what it says in First Corinthians chapter 15 verse 45. So it is written, the first man, Adam, became a living being and the last Adam, a life giving spirit. In that sense, he is our father. And what kind of a life? Everlasting life. Look at another passage. John's Gospel, chapter 5, verse 21. For just as the Father raises the dead and gives them life, even so the Son gives life to whom He is pleased to give it. He gives life. So in that sense, He is our everlasting Father. Therefore it says, He who has the Son has life, and he who does not have the Son does not have life, but the wrath of God remains in him. He is the progenitor of a new race of human beings who are, that's the reason why it says in Hebrews, I and the children that the Lord has given me are one. Are for signs and wonders in Israel. Who is that I? That's Jesus himself, not the prophet. Even though he's hiding Isaiah. This changes everything, isn't it? Everything. Everything. Everlasting father. Remember that hymn? Hail the heaven born prince of peace. Hug the herald. You don't, you know, you don't sing songs with meaning anymore. See, you lost a sense of wonder. Hail the heaven born prince of peace. Hail the son of righteousness. Light and life to all he brings. He is the giver of life in that sense. He's a father. Risen with healing in his wings. Mild he lays his glory by. Born that man no more may die. Born to raise the sons of earth. Born to give them what? Second birth. Hark the herald angels sing. Glory to the newborn king. In that sense he is the everlasting father. Wow. Amazing. That is the reason why Peter will say. Blessed be the God and the father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Who according to his great mercy has caused us to be born again. Into a living hope. Through the resurrection of Jesus from the dead. Unto an inheritance, incorruptible, kept for you in heaven. He is the everlasting father in that sense. Therefore, can anybody snatch us out of his hand? 
unless we choose to walk away from him. Nobody. Nobody. And finally, the Prince of Peace. Romans chapter 5, verse 1. Therefore, since we have been justified through faith, we have what? Peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Peace on earth and mercy mild. Why? God and sinners reconcile. I'm just preaching from Hark the Herald, by the way. If you, if you didn't observe. Okay, that's my basis. I didn't say that. Second Corinthians chapter 5, verse 18 and 19. All this is from God, who reconciled us to himself through Christ, through Christ, and gave us the ministry of reconciliation, that God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting people's sins against them, and he has committed to us the message of reconciliation. Peace on earth, mercy mild, God and sinners reconciled, joyful all nations rise, join the triumph of the skies, hug the herald angels sing, glory to the newborn king. Just not peace with God, once we have peace with God, peace with one another. Ephesians chapter 2, verses 14 and 15. For he himself is our peace. Who has made the two groups one and has destroyed the barrier, the dividing wall of hostility by setting aside in his flesh the law with its commands and regulations. His purpose was to create in himself one humanity. You see that? One new humanity. You see that? The father, the everlasting father. One new humanity. Out of the two, thus making peace. So he brought peace between Gultis and Malus, between North Indians and South Indians, between Madiga and Chaudhary. Yeah, I'm not kidding. Between Reddy and Bapanese, between everybody. What Tagore said came to pass. In Christ. And recently, Andhra and Telangana. That is example in my home. I am from Vaisak. My wife is from Mahabhumagar. The first time when she came to my home, my mama looked at her. And then And then the first time when she came, when, I, when my mom came home after we got married, I was not home. And my wife was looking at my mother. And when my mom looked at Jacinth, she was a little shocked. And then she said, and she started smiling. You see, it's great. So we have Andhra, Tilanga reconciled in Christ. Let me tell you something. Let's love each other that way. This coming Christmas. That's the gift that he has given. What kind of a peace? Everlasting peace. Everlasting Father. Wonderful Counselor. Mighty God. Wonderful Counselor. Mighty God. Everlasting Father. Prince of Peace. Unwrap those things in your mind this Christmas. Unwrap that gift this Christmas. Don't just waste your time buying gifts. Okay? Give it away. <laughs> Be generous. Amen? Let's pray. Father, we thank you. 
We just praise you. We worship you. We give you glory, Lord. We are an awesome God. The mystery of incarnation baffles us, Lord. What you have accomplished through your son. And what you have accomplished in us because of him. It's priceless. Enable us this Christmas not to lose that sense of wonder. Enable us to meditate upon the gift of incarnation. Commit all of us into your hands, even as we go home. Take us home safely. Commit all the brethren who are not well in your hands. Touch them and heal them. Commit Pastor James into your hands, O Lord. Use him mightily. Anoint him afresh. We just want to rejoice for the work that you're wrought, that you're rotting through this man. We just want to thank you, Father. We just want to thank you for the gift of a shepherd that you've given to us as a church. We just uphold him in our prayers right now and we honor him. Pray, Lord Jesus, that you would continue to use him mightily. Praise you, Father. We worship you. Take us home safely until you give us another opportunity to meet again. Keep us safe. Keep us at peace with one another and in peace with you. In Jesus' name. Amen.